Welcome to the Worldwide Webinar Fellowship, which you can listen to live every first Wednesday of the month at our website, tltf.org. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message from God's Word encourages, uplifts, and inspires you to grow deeper in your relationship with God and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for joining us. And now here is your teacher, John Lynn. So here we go. A blonde California highway patrol woman spotted a speeding car going 30 miles over the posted limit. She gave chase, pulled the car over, walked up to the driver's window, saw that it was another blonde woman and said, let me see some ID. The blonde driver fumbled through her purse, finally pulled out her compact, opened it, looked in the mirror, and then handed it out the window. The patrol woman looked at it and said, hey, if I'd have known you were a cop, I wouldn't have stopped you. So there you go. So the teaching is a basically a word study of the word face. <laughs> and so that's a little joke about the face. So to begin with, I want to read you a little bit from, I get the uh, Colson report, Monday through Friday, Chuck Colson, prison ministry, one of Nixon's guys back then and became a Christian. And their doctrine is typically off the wall and a lot of things, but they have some really good points. And uh, some gentleman wrote a little bit of, actually, this was about two months ago. And as soon as I read this, I basically put this teaching together with the verses and then polished it up since then. But here's what he says. So just Relax, take a sip of your coffee or whatever you got there, and uh, it's very interesting. He says, During an afternoon walk under the arcades of the center the other day, a friend greeted me, but I didn't recognize him. The mask he wore prevented me from identifying his features. That little incident made me reflect on the importance of the human face. An intimate relationship is impossible without the recognition of the other's face. I remember reading somewhere that every human being, as soon as he opens his eyes to life, looks for a face, that of his mother. We discover that we are men when we can look to a face and say, you. In fact, the newborn looks for the face of the mother as the child looks for the face of the parent, the lover looks for the face of the beloved, the disciple looks for the face of the teacher, and the human looks for the face of God. Tyrannical governmental power needs to destroy social relations to create individuals who are lonely, isolated, possibly single, without roots, without identity, fragile, defenseless, and fearful. That is, perfectly manipulable subjects. From this point of view, the COVID-19 pandemic is an unexpected or willed manna from heaven. It even legitimized mm-hmm. having to hide the face with a mask. But how do you have a relationship with the other without seeing his face? The human face is the part of the body that must always be naked and must not be hidden. It is no coincidence that in ancient Greece, the slave was defined as aprosopos, the Greek word, that is, without a face. That's what the word means, without a face. Therefore, <laughs> without dignity, without freedom, an object in the hands of the master. The uncovered face is a sign of freedom. The face is also what distinguishes man from the animal, as the great Cicero taught. 
and indicates the character of a person. The face is an essential element of human relationship. Even God, to make himself known by men, had to reveal his face by way of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who has become the face of human destiny and the nature of the meaning of our being, precisely because Jesus Christ is the face, and I added, image of the Father. Thus, the total definition of the meaning of man in the world has passed through a face. And one day, you and I are going to see that face face to face. The state of exception, here's the last paragraph here, the state of exception into which humanity has fallen during the COVID-19 pandemic has gone so far as to consider the concealment of the face as normal, even the need to prevent the epiphany of the other as a duty. Epiphany means a sudden uh, perception of or insight into the reality or meaning of something. In other words, seeing who a person really is. A country that decides to renounce its own face, to cover the faces of its citizens everywhere with masks, is then a country that has erased every political dimension from itself. And in this empty space, subjected at every moment to limitless control, individuals isolated from each other are now moving, who have lost the immediate and sensitive foundation of their community and can exchange messages directed only to a name without a face. And I thought about the word deface, (laughs) because... There have been a lot of defacing of things in the last year. You know, public statues, all this kind of thing. But the devil is all about defacing things. God, he's trying to twist, to distort the the image, the character, God, Christ, the word, people, historical landmarks that are meaningful, etc. And if you want to read a really good article about the dangers and harms of masks, both to you and to the environment and so forth, Dr. Mercola, M-E-R-C-O-L-A dot com, Mercola dot com. You can find it on there, the danger of masks or the harm of masks or something. So we're almost to First Thessalonians. And I thought about in conjunction, we're going to just read one verse in chapter two in a minute. I thought about it was difficult for the first century Christians to get together unless they lived in the same city. So here I'm looking, if I would not look at my notes right here, I'd go over to all your pictures. And if you're not dialed in by phone, I see a lot of good looking faces who I know and love. And but they didn't have Zoom and FaceTime. And so these believers relished genuine FaceTime. Now, I sometimes I realize that sometimes even when I'm talking to someone, I have a bad habit of not always looking him directly in the eye. So I'm I'm squandering face time. And there's all kinds of things you can read about mapping face to face with your wife, your mother, your father, someone. Very interesting stuff. So first Thessalonians two seventeen, these people might have had to travel for months on a donkey to see somebody they loved. It says, But we brethren have been taking away from you from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. That is, we wanted to see you. So what's in a face? Each person's rubbery, malleable kaleidoscope 
that would be your face, reveals a wide range of emotions. And I'll never forget Rod Serling, who hosted The Twilight Zone. Many of you too young to remember that classic show. But he once gave a very terse description of John Wayne, who was rather stoic. And he said, John Wayne's face runs the gamut of emotions from A to B. I love that line. So from another person's perspective, in other words, someone else outside of yourself, that would be the smiley, S-M-I-L-E-E, the one at whom you smile. The best thing about anyone's face, that would be the smiler, is his smile. Think about it. Everybody looks better when he smiles. And I hate the mask just for that reason. I want to see people smile. You can kind of see their eyes twinkle. It's pretty amazing what the eyes do in regard to different emotions. But so a big smile that is a guffaw, laughter is an internal massage, all kinds of scientific research available about that. And it is contagious. Elizabeth uh, can be out in the living room watching some show and she starts laughing. I'm here in the bedroom or wherever and I just start laughing. I'm not even watching it. I just laugh because of how infectious her laugh is. And I'm sure you know the verse, a merry heart leads to a cheerful countenance. And as far as reaching out, which of course the masks have uh, diluted and taken away, a smile is an easy way to reach out to another person. I mean, you know, let's say you're too afraid to say hi. Try smiling, or you may need to be unmasked, but you could pull it down, smile, pull it up, whatever. Try it and see, because many times people smile back, even if they were kind of frowny looking, when you initiate that facial grin. Furthermore, smiling tones the facial muscles and lessens wrinkles. Frowning takes four times as many muscles and leaves wrinkles. So I made the subtitle of this teaching, Let's Face It. Now, you can turn to Genesis 11. We're going to go through some verses. Uh, I won't have you turn to each of them, but well, I'm going to start in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, but you can go to Genesis 11. I'm sure you know these first verses. <clears throat> and let's follow this word face through some of its uses from Genesis 2, Revelation 22, where we will get before long. So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth became without form and void. God didn't make some blobby mass. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so, my comment here, my insight here was God's gorgeous creation. We don't really know what that was. Maybe we'll see it on video someday. I don't know. But it had been terribly disfigured or defaced. And so he set about to give it a face lift. Then we come to Genesis 11.9, the uh, infamous Tower of Babel. And it says, that is why it was called Babel. Because there, Yahweh confused the language of the whole world. From there, Yahweh scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And I thought, well, therefore, 
the face of the earth was marred and defaced by its bizarre populace. But at least they couldn't, they were temporarily stymied in their plan for a one world government. You can go to Numbers chapter 6. Here's a very interesting uh, point about the Hebrew word for face. It's the word P-A-N-I-M, panim, and it's a plural term, but it's always used in the singular. Now, how cool is that? I used the word kaleidoscope earlier to describe a face. I mean, think of all the faces you can make. And many comedians, I'm not a professional, but uh, the face is so important. And just looks, I know, between Elizabeth and me, she'll laugh, or my daughter, Christine, I do certain looks. She does anyway. <clears throat> so very interesting that the word is plural, but always used in the singular, because your face is plural. So here's Numbers 6, 25. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. That's really cool. And we'll tie that in as we get to Psalm 19 near the end of the teaching. And be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go to Psalm 27, 8 and 9. Very interesting uh, verses here and just Really, I love them. Psalm 27, 8 and 9, my heart says of you, seek his face. Now, you can seek his hand, in other words, what he would do for you. And that's perfectly fine. He says to do that too. But to seek his face would be more like seeking his heart, getting to know him in an intimate relationship. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. I trust you realize there are no, no, there's no language like that in the church epistles because you and I are permanently ensconced in the heart of God and he is always facing us. Psalm 34 verse 5, I love this verse. They looked unto him and were lightened. Radiant would be another word you could put there. In other words, lit up. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. And their faces were not ashamed. Verse 16 says, The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Go to Matthew 17. Matthew 17, the record of the transfiguration. And the Greek word metamorphomai is in here and we will see that you and I have similar transfiguration available to us. So they go up on the mountain, Matthew 17, 2, says there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. And now go to Luke 22:64 a a really heart-rending verse, if you don't let it just be words on a page. And of course, last week was the uh, our celebration of the resurrection. But of course, that was preceded by the torture from Monday night all the way till they nailed him up on Wednesday morning. And and so so this is very. It's a very meaningful verse, more so than perhaps some people realize. Luke twenty two sixty four, describing a part of their abuse of him. 
which was gross to the max, given who he was and the forces of evil behind those who were abusing him. But it says, And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who was the one who struck you? Now, I don't think these were light slaps. And now we're going to go to, uh, we're going to go back to Isaiah 52, 13, because it'll, it's a prophecy about what we just read in Luke 22, 64. So Isaiah 52, 13, and we'll read a few of these verses here. When I was thinking of this, again, many of you are, uh, too young to remember the photograph on the cover of Sports Illustrated in 1956 or 57 after a boxer named Carmen Basilio uh, fought Sugar Ray Robinson and lost. And they had a life-size photo. It was either on the cover or in the magazine. I mean, a full-page photo. And Carmen Basilio was a walking bruise. And bruise isn't putting it strongly enough. He, his eyes were closed. He was bloody. He was, it was very graphic, but not compared to what we're going to read here. So Isaiah 52, 13, one of the great prophecies of the coming Messiah to Israel and Redeemer to mankind. And of course, Jesus read these verses more than once. And what do you think? How did he deal with this? What did this mean to him? Think about these things. So here we go, Isaiah 52, 13. Let these words pierce you like they probably pierced Jesus. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Remember the sufferings and the glory. The glory had to be preceded by the sufferings. So there was a little bit of the glory. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage, his face, his appearance was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Because of that and because he entrusted himself to God throughout the gruesome process, so shall he sprinkle Many nations, there's that key word nations, again, it's all over the book of Psalms, and we've covered that in teachings before. Kings shall shut their mouths at him, for what they had not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall consider. Who has believed our report? Chapter 53. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's Jesus, the right hand, the one that got the job done. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. We know the Old Testament language. God didn't smite him. The devil did. But it was God's plan, part of God's plan for redemption. Smitten by God and afflicted. Here we go. Last verse. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now you can go to Exodus 33, and I'll get there with you in a minute. So his visage was marred. Now you know that the verse I just read, by his stripes, his wounds, we are healed. We find that same truth in First Peter 2.24, and it's put in a past tense, by his stripes or his wounds, we have been healed. In other words, Jesus paid the total price for our healing. And just as we are dead to sin, we can reckon ourselves to be dead to sickness. I haven't mastered that yet, but I'm working on it. And a dear friend of mine, and I, I do cover this in Jesus Christ, the Diameter of the Ages, a brief little note here. She sent me some wonderful insight and listen to this about the Greek word for stripes. So it has some very interesting implications. The word is M-O-L-O-P-S, I guess molops, from O-P-S meaning the face and M-O-L meaning black mark or a blow, the mark of a blow. A related word is optomai, which means to gaze. The Greek word OP, we got the ophthalmologist and all that, to gaze as with wide open eyes at something remarkable. This gaze is not simply an acknowledging and honoring Christ's suffering that we are healed. Rather, it is a deeper contemplation. We are to gaze at his face with wide open eyes as at something remarkable. Our fascination with the Lord Jesus will ignite something like the genuine version of the spiritual counterfeit called a spell, which the dictionary defines as any dominating or irresistible influence or fascination. Very interesting insight that we are to be caught up. And if you're in love, you can experience Something like this, when in moments of great oneness with your spouse, you just gaze into one another's eyes and soak in their heart, so to speak. So you got Exodus 33, 9. Here we go. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down. Remember, they're wandering in the wilderness en route to the Red Sea. The pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while Yahweh spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. I'm pretty sure this is Yahweh. I didn't, whatever version I copied doesn't have it in capital letters, but the name, because he's going to reveal his name coming up here. Yahweh would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So sorry that so many of us have been cut off from facial contact, I mean in the flesh, with our friends. Then Moses would turn to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, guess he didn't know who his dad was, did not leave the tent. Moses said to Yahweh, you've been telling me lead these people, but you haven't let me know who you're going to send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you've found favor with me. Well, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I can know you and continue to find favor with you. And don't forget, these knuckleheads are your people. Yahweh replied, I love this. My presence will go with you, 
and I will give you rest. Moses says, yeah, well, if your presence doesn't go, we're not going. If your presence does not go with us, don't send us. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? When I read this, I think of Acts 4, 8 to 12. Uh, they took note of Peter and John. They were astonished with their boldness. And they took note of them that they had been with Jesus. I want to shine like that. Verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, Yahweh said to Moses, okay, I'll do it because I'm pleased with you and I do know you by name, Mo. Then Moses went for broke. He said, I'm on a roll. I'm going for broke. He said, uh, can I see your glory? And Yahweh said, uh, no way. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. In other words, what I'll do for you, that kind of thing. And I'll proclaim my name, Yahweh, in your presence, which he had never done in the previous 2,500 years since Adam. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion, but you can't see my face, or I have to kill you, for no one can see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock when my glory, so here we have glory and face, equated when my glory or my face passes by i'll put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until i've passed by then i'll remove my hand you'll see my back but my face the shekinah glory of god which i think we'll see someday must not be seen really amazing all right second corinthians chapter three that's a chunk of bible so we see that in that record we just read that the face, quote, of God is parallel to his glory. And the Greek word in the New Testament, in the Greek scriptures, the Greek word for glory is a really interesting word. It means not the object itself, but the appearance of the object that attracts attention. In other words, you go out, you have an apple tree in your yard, you pick up a bunch of apples or pick them off the tree, put them in a bowl on your dining room table. You take one of those apples, you polish it for two minutes, you put it back. Somebody comes by and says, oh my gosh, look at that apple. They don't say it because it's an apple. They say it because of how it looks different than the other apples that haven't been polished by God, if you will. And the same thing holds true for you and me. So Moses could not see the face of God. But now, as we're about to read, you and I have the unmitigated joy and privilege of gazing. In other words, taking your time, gazing, as it were, upon the face of God as we see it manifest in his Son, our Lord. So we're heading into the home stretch here. Watch how this thing closes out. It is so cool. Second Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord, that's Jesus in the church epistles. God is no longer called the Lord. Acts 2.36, Peter said, the same Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and Christ. Now the Lord is the Spirit, capital S, correct. And where the small s should be, Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And of course, each of us is filled to overflowing with that spirit. And we all, with unveiled, what? Faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Now, who decides whether your face is unveiled? You do. We can veil it with hypocrisy, excuses, fear, baloney, whatever. But we all, when we, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being, oh, look, transfigured, transformed, metamorphomai, into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Remember earlier in the chapter, talks about the radiance and the glory on Moses, that people said, God, put a towel on your head. You're driving, you're, you're so bright. But eventually that glory faded away, the glory that he had accumulated, the light from being in the presence of God. It was still radiating off of him for a while. Chapter 4, verse 1, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, what ministry? The ministry of reflecting the face of Christ, the heart of God to the world. Gosh, I fall short. We do not lose heart, verse 2, rather, we have renounced veils, secret and shameful ways, like they would be veils between us and God. I'll show you. They would be like clouds in front of the sun. We'll get there. We do not use deception, nor we do, nor do we distort the word of God. Why would we? On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, it's like jumping out in front of somebody. Hey, listen to this. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, my mother taught me not to interrupt, but really we're supposed to interrupt people when we see them going off a cliff or something. Verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, not world, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see, watch this, string of genitives here, the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light, made his light shine in our hearts. Which Now, you know, you can't become unplugged because you have permanent salvation, but you want to keep the switch flipped on. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge. Verse 4 was light of the gospel, light of the knowledge of God's glory. That was light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. This says the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Please go to Psalm 19, you can hold 2 Corinthians 1 because we're coming back and we'll be wrapping up after that with Revelation. So you can go to Psalm 19 if you want to grab 2 Corinthians 1 on your way. Those verses that we just read, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 4, 6, are gold. So here's a question while you're finding Psalm 19 and not trying to guess the verse. I just thought of this kind of a multiple choice question. During his earthly ministry, 
knowing the gruesome torture that awaited him on the cross, how do you think Jesus came across to people? Would you say that his countenance reflected an attitude that one would describe as A, morose, B, taciturn, which means reluctant to engage in conversation, silent, okay? A, morose, B, taciturn, C, preoccupied, don't bother me, kid, or D, ebullient. The answer is D. It means overflowing with enthusiasm or excitement. Despite the fact that he had read what we read in Isaiah 52 and 53, Jesus radiated the love and the goodness of God. I know he smiled a lot, and I'll bet he was humorous. Don't know if he told that blonde joke, but in any case. So we're going to Psalm 19, 1 to 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. I cover this in number of teachings. If you haven't heard it, and maybe you've heard other people teach it, but the celestial message, the, the genuine signs of the zodiac show the redemption, the story of the fall and redemption of mankind and so forth. Astrology being the counterfeit of astronomy. Day after day, the stars and all have a message. They're saying, gee, wonder what it is. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. Their sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Here we go. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the S-U-N. Now, I was a worshiper of the S-U-N, worshippers in quotes, okay, uh, from a very early age, long before I became a worshiper of the S-O-N. Verse 5, the S-U-N in the celestial message is like a bridegroom, ah, oh, that's a clue, coming out of his chamber. Is he pumped? Yeah, I think so. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. And we know that Israel is the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom for Israel, but we will have no less of his affection and goodness and so forth. So here's the bridegroom on his wedding day, getting up, getting ready, and leaving his home. Verse 6, it rises, the S-U-N, rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Originally, I titled this teaching, The Smiling Face of God, but when I read this and thought about it, I changed it to The Smiley Face, because those little yellow faces that everybody puts on their texts and all this, and they're all over everything in the world now, that's Jesus, the yellow sun, S-U-N, and he is always smiling. Now, we had rain today, so we couldn't see the sun, but of course it was shining. And if we just get on a plane, go up a little bit, oh, there it is, total blue, total sun. So we can always count on the S-U-N to shine, even if it's cloudy. And we can always count on the S-O-N to smile upon us, even if we bring clouds between him and us. It doesn't loosen his grip on our hearts. Second Corinthians 1, 18, some of my favorite verses. 
But surely, as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. And you have no doubt heard me say that way too much of Christian doctrine is a convoluted complication of yes and no. He loves you, but he'll give you cancer, or at least let you get it. Verse 19, how do we know that the message is not yes and no? Well, here it is. Verse 19, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by me, Silas, and Timothy, was not yes and no. That would be insane. But in him, it has always been yes. That print, a little black and white word yes here does not do justice to this universally resounding affirmative. Yes, I want to heal you. Yes, I will heal you. Yes, I will provide for you. And yes, I'm coming back to get you and give you a brand new body forever with me. Verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, we can't appropriate them if we don't know them. They are, hold your ears, yes, in Christ. And so through him, now you'll be in the habit of holding your ears whenever you come to that verse. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both of us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his small s spirit in our hearts as a deposit, a guarantee, guaranteeing what is to come. God's yes in Christ is a radiant, smiling yes. And I'll just, you can go to Revelation 22. I'll read you one verse from 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, you, you know this verse. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Jesus knows every nook and cranny of our hearts. So the best thing for us to do is just take away any veils, get naked before the Lord, so to speak, bear our souls to him and expect to experience his healing touch. And many of you know and have sung countless times the song Face to Face with Christ my Savior. I had a dollar for every time I've led that song. I'd be in Tahiti. You'd be listening to a tape. But in any case, it says face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Face to face, O blissful moment. Face to face to see and know. Face to face with my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who loves me so. Face to face the chorus. Face to face will I behold him far beyond the starry sky. Gosh, I'm almost breaking into the tune here. Face to face in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. So we don't know exactly what he looked like. Some of you may remember back in the 90s when I was all over the country, seven months out of the year. I carried that picture from the 1950s, a painting of Jesus holding a little lamb in one hand and his 
under his arm and staff and the other, and he had a huge smile. It was a typical kind of 1950s, looked like he should have been holding a Coke back in those old ads. But I love that picture of the smiling Jesus. And someday you'll see that. I'll see it. And think about it. His eyes, his face, his smile, his beauty. And we will also see God. Revelation 22, 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. How many seats are on that throne? That would be two. Uh, and as I've said many times, there's no Holy Spirit walking around. Oh, the music stopped. I didn't get a seat. No, no. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Oh, I hope some of them are peaches. Oh, that's going to be awesome. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Verse 4. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. So, in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, and in our relationship with our Lord Jesus, and in our relationship with each of our brethren, because each of us, you are so special to God. I have no conception of how much he loves us. And I keep driving that into my heart because that's the, that's the root of our faith that he's for us, that he is always extending his provision to us, that he is always smiling. Now he does, I've noticed, raise his eyebrows at me from time to time, but he's still smiling. So, in our relationship with God, Christ, our brethren, and with those we want to reach with the gospel, let's face it. I was going to make that the subtitle of this teaching. So thank you so much for being a part of this. I always say this at the end of the teaching because I love to give. I see God blowing my mind financially despite the fact that I have not that much guaranteed income. But God continues to astound Elizabeth and me with his provision, and he will do no less for you. Plus, you have a chance to invest in the outreach of the word, teachings like this, and many others of our folks who are on the website teaching and the videos that we have available. So we would love to have you invest in our ministry if you are not currently uh, such an investor. And if you are, thank you, thank you, thank you. We don't have any words to adequately express our gratitude for your kindness. And each time I open those checks, I just think of you (laughs) hilariously sealing the envelope or hitting PayPal. Anything we can do for you, please let us know. So I will pray. Father, here we are a few days after the resurrection of your son, however many years ago. And we are still, as we should be every day, reveling in that magnanimous event. And I just signify you, that is, 
make you look bigger. You're way bigger than we understand. So we're trying to magnify you so that at least to some degree, we can grasp your unwavering goodness and mercy and grace and desire to heal us and provide for us, not only so that we are equipped to serve you and spread the gospel, but just because you love us, even if we sit on our tail our whole lives and do nothing. So I bless each of these precious people, all their loved ones, their extended families. Many of us on here need your healing touch. This very night while we sleep, you could touch our bodies from head to toe. We could wake up completely delivered. And we just thank you that we can expect that every time we go to sleep. And we can just confess what your word says by your blows to the face, dear Lord. You bought the healing that is ours to claim. And so we praise you for all that you do for us day by day. And most especially, perhaps, the privilege we have to understand your word to a significant degree when all around us, our brethren are so confused about so many things, bless their hearts. So we want doors of utterance, Father. We want you to open pockets of people to us, whole groups that will sit through these videos and, and mine the resources that we have available, cities that could open up, and a few billionaires or millionaires or whomever that never could find any real meaning that could tap into this and go wild. And so we pray for our country tonight. We thank you for the good people and all that's going on, perhaps behind the scenes. And we lift all that up to you, Father. We know that the bad people, that's up to you to determine who's who. We can pretty well tell a lot from the word as our standard. But in any case, you know better than we do. And we know those people are fighting against you. And that's not healthy. And it won't work out for them. So we thank you that you are on our side and that we know the Lord Jesus is coming for us. It could be tonight, could be tomorrow, but we just keep expecting that. And we want to live as if each day were our very last day on the earth. So we ask for your help in that. Thank you so much for all those who love this ministry, love your truth, support us. Bless our precious leadership nucleus and thank you, thank you, thank you for all, for all that you do. Amen. God bless you. We'll have a song to close and we love you dearly. Lost your way, lost your cool, then you straight up lost your mind. Tried so hard to stay ahead, but you keep falling behind. Life is gonna pull you down, make it hard to see. But a little change in your point of view could be just what you need. There's always a reason to always choose joy. There's something deeper that the world can't destroy. Smile when you think you can't smile. Get up and dance, smile. There's a bigger plan, the storm only lasts for a while. So smile. It's wonderful, but it doesn't stick around Walking on sunshine, then here come the clouds You can laugh, or you can cry when it all falls apart But I believe the more you laugh, the more you heal the heart
bigger plan and you've got a reason to smile when you think you can't smile just clap your hands smile there's a bigger plan you've got a reason to